Hello, brother. I'm Grace. Hello, brother. I'm Stephanie. And this is Doppelgangers. Today, we're talking about season two, episode 19, which is indeed called Klaus. And this was one of the episodes you thought might be called Klaus. I'm really excited. I guessed right. I'm also really excited because this is highly anticipated for me, but for any watcher. I mean, we've been leading up to this the whole season, it feels like. Very excited to get some answers, some that were just truly fun reveals. And none of them that you saw coming, really, except one theory you got confirmed basically from a hashtag. So you didn't actually come up with that theory on your own. Well, hey, I made the guess between gay ship or brother. I had to pick one. And <laughs> let's not act like those are like either of those would be outside the realm of possibility. Gay ship would have been possible. But on this show where brotherhood is such a motif. Everybody hates their brother. Everybody hates their dad. That's the theme on this show. Yeah. But I still guessed it. so as always i will start by reading the synopsis from vampire diaries wiki stefan and damon are furious when they discover that elena has defied them both to make a new ally and take control of the plan to outmaneuver klaus disagreement over how to protect elena leads to growing tension between the salvatore brothers meanwhile stefan has his hands full trying to keep a confused and frightened jenna safe Flashbacks to 1492 reveal Catherine's introduction to Elijah and Klaus, along with the origin of the Moonstone curse. Elena learns shocking new information about Klaus's motives. A lot of answers we got here that, again, I know I said earlier in the season, you would have to make a lot of assumptions in order to make the guesses you need to make. You couldn't have gotten these guesses on your own, I don't think. Look, was the curse kind of all over the place? Sure. But I never would have been like, that curse is fake. Because we have seen many, many curses be real. Everyone was reacting to it. Like, I would never have guessed that, but how fun. Yeah. (laughs) So we open the episode in the dungeon of the Salvatore house, right where we left the last episode. Elena is waiting for Elijah to wake up. She has the dagger in her hand. She's sitting by the door, kind of looking out for the boys in case they hear her. But they ain't shit because they're not finding her. Yeah, like they don't hear any of this, which seems odd to me, but whatever good for her i guess they're sleeping really well at night yeah and then finally elijah gasps awake he looks at elena and he calls her katarina a lot of times with these kind of curses the rings whatever i'm always like man this is taking a little bit of time i think elena was like he's gonna wake up right can i ask you why you think it takes time to come back to life in these cases it's like restarting a computer there's a lot of stuff that has to get its juices flowing again i Take some time to get some oxygen to the brain, get some blood all where it needs to be, you know, just biologically. So you have a very scientific response to that. Yeah, it's a reboot, you know? It's like when you update your computer, everything's got to get installed again, you know? Sure. (laughs) That's what I assume. (laughs) And so when Elijah calls Elena Katarina, we take our first flashback of the episode to England, 1492. It's like some kind of noble party or whatever. They're all in like 1492 garb, walking around in candlelight, some kind of party of nobles. Elijah says hey to our old buddy Trevor, but in 1492, his name is Treffer, as if like putting an F in it is supposed to make it a period appropriate name. Fine. I'll take it. I don't care. It's goofy. I think it's fun. Treffer. Okay, sure. Why not? So Elijah and Treffer are like happy to see each other. And Treffer says, oh, I couldn't miss the birthday celebration. And Elijah says, yeah, especially considering the gift you claim to have. Where is this mystery girl? And Treffer 
with his very like well blown out hair. Yeah, he got a full blowout in 1492. He was out of his time. Yeah. He walks Elijah over to Catherine and introduces her. When he looks at Catherine, we also jump forward to the dungeon in present day. And Elena's like, it's me, Elena. Hello. And then we go back to 1492. And Elijah says to Catherine, I'm sorry, you remind me of someone. Now, this is an interesting comment because we only know two people who look that way. And that's Elena and Catherine. And this is a clue that maybe there was someone before Catherine. Well, I think I've said this before. You know, Catherine was still referred to as a doppelganger. Can't be a doppelganger if there isn't an original. Not an original vampire, but an original patrol. Recipe, whatever. whatever. So it seems that Elijah, at the minimum, knew whoever this original one was. That's an interesting theory. I'll throw it out there. Wouldn't be shocked if he was in love with the first one, too. Although how that original Petrova plays into why you would need a doppelganger for this curse. Maybe she was in love with both brothers. Klaus was mad. We'll see. Maybe she was part of this original clan that led to Klaus's little mixture. Throwing a lot out, seeing what sticks. <laughs> we will get answers on this someday. There's definitely an original, like a Petrova before Catherine, whether she's called a Petrova or not. I feel very sure of that. We'll see. So Trevor introduces Catherine to the Lord Elijah. They, you know, kind of make eyes at each other. It's a little casual. Elijah's a good looking guy. Catherine's a good looking girl. Yeah. I mean that, yeah, towards Elijah. You can't tell me that Elijah's not good looking. I'm not sold on him, honestly. And I'll say this. The men's wigs in 1400, any of these 1490 scenes, I I just can't get behind. I'm not asking you to get behind them all the time. You can't look at Elijah's face and tell me he's not good looking. That's just foolish. I don't have any reaction to Elijah Hmm. in any way. Interesting. So then... We go back to the dungeon in present day. Elijah like kind of faints. Elena picks up the dagger just in case. And then Elijah like sort of cracks his bones into place. He kind of lunges at her. He can't breathe. He asks what happened. And then he starts like involuntarily like zooming towards the door. And he realizes he's having this like bad reaction because he can't be in this house. And Elena realizes that's because she didn't invite him in because she signed the deed while he was dead in the basement. Yeah. So he's just got to get out of there. And so Elijah says, you need to get me out of here. And he continues to involuntarily zoom until he gets to the front porch. He stops there. He looks like he's got some color back in his face once he's stopped. Yeah, he's starting to wake up a little. And Elena comes to the front door and sees him. He starts to lunge at her, but luckily he can't get in because, as we know, he hasn't been invited. And he says, hey, what happened? And she shushes him. She gestures upstairs as if to say, like, they're here. She says, like, I will tell you, but not here. Yeah, which very quickly puts it like, hey, I'm doing this by myself. They don't know, which I think Elijah is more likely to respond to just talking to her than to the Salvatores. The Salvatores have been more of a pain in his side and they don't have use for him. So at least he would be more interested, I think, in talking to Elena without their knowledge. Exactly. So she asks if she can trust him. And he says, can I trust you? He says, girl, you killed me. Like, Neither answer that question, but Elena does give him the dagger as a gesture of goodwill, which is effective because she knows that Elijah's not going to kill her. She knows that he really can't because he needs her to lure out Klaus. But Elijah has no reason to believe that Elena won't kill him as she has done it before. So giving him the dagger is a very smart move to gain his trust for today. 
yeah, at least then he knows she can't like stab him during this conversation, like get information and immediately stab him. Exactly. So it's a good move. It's implied they leave, but we go upstairs at the Salvatore house and Stefan wakes up and he pretty quickly realizes that like Elena is not around, but he doesn't panic right away. He sees Andy in the hallway and he says, hey, Andy, have you seen Elena? And she says, no. Damon greets Andy. They drink coffee. They do a little PDA. Stefan seems grossed out. And he's also like, hey, where is Elena? And Damon says, I don't know. That's your girlfriend. Mine's right here. Okay. Yeah, they're like, why would we know? We're doing our own thing here, buddy. And so Damon's like, oh, can I like bite your shoulder? And she's like, it's very messy. I'm late for work. Can you use a blood bag? And he says, no. And they have a very weird vibe going on, which Stefan promptly ignores. Yeah. And he tries to call Elena. Of course, she doesn't answer. Stefan tells Damon like, hey, Andy's not a wind up toy. And Andy's like, I don't really think that's your business. Yeah. And he's like, um, shut up, Stefan. Like, I'm kind of in the middle of talking to my boyfriend here. And he's like, OK, well, this is just too much for me. He's like, you guys are being weird. I'm not having fun here. He's like, I hate this. And my girlfriend is seemingly missing. And you guys don't seem concerned about that at all. <laughs> exactly. So Stefan and Andy go their separate ways. And then as Stefan is walking around the house, he notices that the door to the basement is open. And then Damon notices Stefan noticed that. They run down to the basement and quickly realize that Elijah is gone and that Elena did it. Yeah, because they're like, well, who else would have taken this dagger out? They're like, okay, well, that's not great. <laughs> like, we probably should have put a lock on the door and also watched her. She's given us every clue to say, I don't care what you two think. I'm going to do what I want. And they said, I'll just leave her alone for the evening. And they said, no, I, I actually don't have supersonic hearing for the moment. Dumbasses. So then we go over to Alaric's apartment. Maddox says he's headed out and we can assume it's to get Klaus's body because Klaus says, hurry up. I'm impatient and I want to get out of this body. Yeah, fair enough. The novelty's worn off. Everybody knows he's in there. He's like, I can just move on. Yeah, he can be in his regular body now. The element of surprise is gone. So Catherine pours Rick Klaus a cup of coffee and asks where Maddox is going. And Rick Klaus says, well, he's going to go retrieve my body so I can get out of this bad hairdo. And look, Klaus is good looking. We see him at the end of the episode. I still think Alaric has better hair than Klaus. I do agree with that. I think it's a different taste in hair. So I get why Klaus is maybe against it. But I do think it's like your hair's fine. Yeah, your hair's fine. I think Klaus is, you know, we know he was an English nobleman. And so I think this whole rugged style of Alaric, he thinks is just dirty. Like, yeah. he, he's like, I just look like I've been digging in dirt. And it's like, it's just a flannel, but okay. He's like, I look like I just rolled out of bed. It's like, that's the fashion mama. He just isn't up to date on trends, which why would we expect him to be? Yeah. <laughs> and so then Catherine asks if that's such a good idea for him to leave this body. And Rick Klaus says, well, the full moon is almost upon us. I killed the witch. I have the moonstone. The doppelganger is waiting in the wings. Like, I'm ready to break this curse. And Catherine says, why the fuck would you break the curse here? There's so many people who want to stop you. Go somewhere else. And he says, I have to do it in the birthplace of the doppelganger. And Catherine didn't realize that mattered. Neither did we, the audience. That's not something that has come up before. And Rick Klaus says, well, how would you know that? You betrayed me and fled before getting the details. And she says, oh, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, he says, well, I didn't need that information back then because you ran away before we could go to your birthplace. She was like, okay, that does make sense. And then Rick Klaus says, but 
I did actually find your birthplace. And I went there and I slaughtered your family. So I guess we're cool. And this is disproving a theory you were pretty confident about that Klaus didn't kill her family. I thought that would have been a real interesting wrinkle. But no, he he did indeed kill her family. I was like very convinced of this. Like I really thought I ate. But you didn't. <laughs> but unfortunately, I did not. One thing about Klaus, look, he is scary. He's mean. He's evil. But he's not entirely creative. Yeah, that's becoming clear. It seems that the fear of him comes less from his abilities as like being a master manipulator and more from just like he is literally impossible to kill. He's not going to waste time manipulating you because you can't kill him and he'll just kill you. Yeah, what are you going to do? Stab him? Okay. Have fun. Thanks. Now I have a knife. Yeah, now you gave me a knife to kill you with, dumbass. He's not like, oh, how can I really psychologically torture her? He's like, "Mm, I'll kill her family. Tried and true, baby. (laughs) He's like, that was rude. I'm going to kill her whole family. He's not trying to reinvent the wheel here. I stand by that it was not the smartest idea because he effectively got rid of a chance of a doppelganger. Obviously, that wasn't the case, but in his mind, it would have been. But I guess he was just mad. (laughs) Yeah, well, in his mind also... A doppelganger would have to be a descendant of Catherine and Catherine was no longer able to have babies as a vampire and he didn't know she had one before. Uh, So a descendant of someone else in her family couldn't have been a doppelganger? It's unlikely. Okay. So then Rick Klaus says, I hope Elena isn't dumb enough to run away. And Catherine says she's not going to run. She's going to die before she lets anyone she loves get hurt. And Rick Klaus says, that's exactly what I'm counting on. Yeah, he's like, that would be super dope to me. You really did the wrong thing in my mind. Yeah. Before Rick Klaus heads out for the day, he turns to Catherine and compels her not to leave until he tells her to. Rough, but fair enough. So then we go over to Elena's car. She's driving Elijah and he's got some blood. He's getting his color back. And she says, hey, you look a lot better. And he says, where'd you get the dagger? And she says, "Okay, listen, I will tell you everything, but I need your word that we're going to work together. And he says, yeah, your ability to make demands has long passed. He's like, you literally renegotiated a deal with me and then immediately killed me. So like, forgive me if I'm not eager. I'm not jumping at this at the moment, girly. But she sells it well. She says, I'm not making demands. I'm just offering my help and I just want yours in return. Yeah, she's like, look, I got a fucking dagger. At this point, she thinks that would be useful to kill Klaus. Obviously, we'd learned that that is not the case. But she's like, hey, I actually do know some stuff now. And I have some kind of people on my team that could be of use. I would love to loop you into this amazing opportunity. <laughs> she messaged him on Instagram. Hey, girl. <laughs> hey, girl. How you doing? I have a really great opportunity for a girl boss like you. You can get in on the ground floor of your own business and your own plan to kill Klaus. Yeah. With a strong group of, of badass babes. and Elijah says why should I even consider this and she says the same reason you haven't killed me you need my help to kill Klaus and I need you too and she's right unfortunately this is the thing that Elena is doing well is that she understands exactly how valuable she is to all of these people and she rubs it in their face constantly one thing about Elena no one wants to kill her absolutely no one on the show wants her dead so no matter what she does she's like what are you gonna do kill me no you won't bitch like you can't you don't want to and you can't so we're gonna keep doing whatever i want to fucking do 
<laughs> and you know what? Good for her. And then Elena gets a phone call from Stefan, which she doesn't look particularly excited to pick up, but she decides to deal with now because she knows she has to. Yeah, because she knows this phone call is like, hey, why'd you bring Elijah back to life and then leave? Yeah, so she answers the phone and she says, hey. And Stefan says, are you okay? She's like, yeah, I'm fine. And Stefan's like, where's Elijah? And she's like, he's right here. <laughs> Stefan's like, you have to be kidding. <laughs> Stefan says like, where are you? I'm on my way. And Elena says, nope, me and Elijah need some alone time. I think he was still kind of hoping that like someone else woke Elijah up and like Elijah kidnapped her or something. But no, this was all her. She's like, nope, I'm hanging with Elijah. And Stefan says like, look, Elijah can't be trusted. He'll use you to get to Klaus. And Elena knows she's on the phone with Stefan in front of Elijah. And so she really takes advantage of this opportunity to sell herself as an ally to Elijah Mm -hmm. by the way she talks to Stefan. So she says, look, Elijah is a man who lives by honor. I can trust him. He knows that I would be incredibly stupid to betray him again. And by removing the dagger, I've proven myself to him. And Stefan says, you can't do this alone. She says, respect my decision. And also she's already doing it alone. So she can't actually. Also, what are you going to do? Keep the dagger in Elijah? We're past that, Stefan. Yeah, this ship has sailed. We're on a train already in motion. It's in motion, King. I'm not coming back. And this was very smart of her to say like, hey, he knows I would be too stupid to do this. He is a man of honor because one thing about Elijah and, you know, we can assume most of the originals based on this. He's all about the honor thing. Anytime they've like killed someone has been because they like betrayed trust or lied or something like that. That is like the one thing that like they won't cross that line. Across a lot of other ones, though. Murder, fine. Lying, death. (laughs) She says, oh, and can you make sure Damon doesn't do anything stupid? I'll be in touch. And then she hangs up. (laughs) Stefan's like, I don't want that job. That's your job. He's like, you're better at it than me. (laughs) (laughs) So Elijah holds out his hand and Elena gives him her phone because she's like, yeah, that's fair enough. I get that. It's like, I'm not really dying to talk to Stefan any more than that anyway. So go ahead. (laughs) Yeah. So then we check in on the Salvatores in the aftermath of the phone call. And Damon says, did she hang up on you? And Stefan said she did. Stefan kind of rationalizes what's happening. He says, look, if anyone can get Elijah to help us kill Klaus, it's Elena. Bro, he already wants to kill Klaus. She doesn't even have to do that. Yeah, she just has to convince him to not kill y'all. Yeah, you're the real sticking point here. Yeah, which is why she took him out of the house so he didn't immediately kill you both. Damon says Bonnie is the way to kill Klaus. He thinks she's dead. We have a chance. Like many of Damon's plans, this is deeply flawed. I understand that there's some assumptions about how this could work, but he doesn't have a lot of information about what power she channels to do it. He doesn't know anything except Bonnie can channel the power. They don't have any other plan. I don't know why he's acting like this is some flawless plan and it requires Bonnie to die, which yes, Bonnie is willing to do, but Elena is not willing to have done. Yeah, I think Damon is like, I don't want to keep putting like Elena at risk anymore. We have a plan that supposedly will work. But like, yeah, he doesn't really have the evidence or the logistics of it, but he's just willing because he's like, this seems like the least amount of collateral damage and Elena's not collateral damage. That's his only path. I think it's also it's a point of pride because it's his plan. But the thing is, is that Elena's still collateral damage in this plan because it requires her to do this during the sacrifice. Yeah. If they want Elena to live, it has to be before the sacrifice. So he's not as weak, so she has to channel more power. And if they want to be after the sacrifice, so it's easy for Bonnie to die, Elena's already dead. Like, it's again, it's just a deeply flawed plan. I mean, he does want to be the savior here, and he thinks, like, okay, well, 
I have Bonnie. Klaus doesn't know about Bonnie. We have her as an advantage here. We might as well take advantage of that and use that. But it's like, okay, yes, that's a good start. But you have a lot of other stuff to think about here. Mm -hmm. And Stefan says basically the same thing. He's like, Bonnie will kill herself in the process. Elena's looking for another way. And Damon says, yeah, but this way is going to get her killed. So we need to stop her. And Stefan says, back off, trust her, let her do her thing. And Damon says, nah, and Stefan fights back. Yeah. So they're in just a, a deep disagreement about like, should we trust Elena or not? And I do think Stefan's in the right here because yeah, Elena's the one who stands to lose the most from this sacrifice. Because it's not just about her, it's about her friends. It's about like everything. Elena should get to make the call here. Well, also like, I get that Damon is coming at this from a very much like, I have to fix this. I have to save Elena. And again, he should remember, no one wants to kill Elena. Like, except Klaus, obviously. But like, this is not really a situation in which she's in danger. Like, this is kind of a a win-win of like, if she finds some information from him, great. If she doesn't, like, she's still probably not going to die. And then we can go back to your plan if we need to. But this isn't like, it's not like that dangerous for her, but Damon can't see that because he's blinded by how in love with her he is. So then we go back to Elena's car where she tells Elijah that Klaus is in town and has taken over Alaric's body. To which Elijah says, that makes sense. That's one of his favorite tricks. Yeah, Elijah's like, that sounds like him. <laughs> Again, Klaus isn't trying to reinvent the wheel here. Yeah, he's got a couple old, old reliables. He's not trying to do anything fancy. He's like, look, this is what has worked for me this long. I'll keep doing it. Klaus is not thinking three steps ahead because he doesn't have to. He's like, I don't even have to be one step ahead. He's not really having to do that much. Again, because he can't be killed. It's pretty comfortable. Yeah. (laughs) And Elena says, okay, like, can you tell us any of his other tricks? Because you're the only one who knows him. And Elijah knowingly says, yes, I do. And then we go, of course, back to 1492. And Elijah is walking Catherine through the party and Catherine says, hey, where's the host? And we know it's a birthday party, so we have to assume the host is the birthday boy vis-a-vis it's Klaus's birthday party. I was trying to think if there was any way to guess what date this was. I want him to be a Scorpio king. Let me look up. Hold on. I'll search his zodiac sign. But I bet he's like a fire sign or an air sign, though. I bet he's Aries. I keep guessing Aries, but the hotties. So I looked and there was an article that just like assumed something. So this is from it is a locked post. The username is hidden, but it is on Vampire Diaries Wiki. You know, my favorite source. And they said, I have way too much time on my hands, but I was wishing it would show birth dates for. Oh, because Vampire Diaries Wiki has birthdays for most of the characters on the Vampire Diaries, but not for all of the originals. Oh, she says. Okay, does anyone have any ideas or guesses? Has this been discussed long ago? So what came up? The only thing I could come up with, even remotely, is for Klaus. I'm getting these dates from this site. Klaus was presented Catherine as a birthday gift in 1492. I'm making the assumption they threw this party around the time of his actual birthday. I don't know where they got this date, but it says that Catherine turned April 6th, 1492. Sure. Sure. So they say somewhere between January and April 6th, 1942 is Klaus's birthday. There would have been about four full moons between that time. Knowing he had everything ready for the ritual and he doesn't have much patience, I'm guessing he met her after the March full moon because why would he bypass another full moon? Which to me says his birthday is March, April, which puts him as a Pisces or Aries sign. That logic tracks to me. That does track to me. So I'm going to believe he's an Aries. I buy that. 
I think AOE's or like uh, with some Pisces influence. Maybe he's on the cusp. Would track given his hey, that guy's twisted. No, that's <laughs> giving Pisces. Yeah, giving his move to dedicate a song to someone and like I got her there. Yeah, that's very Pisces. <laughs> really Pisces of him. So Elijah says, oh, you know, the birthday boy is fashionably late. He likes to make an entrance. And then he gestures to a man coming in. And for a while, he's hidden behind people. And then we finally see the one, the only Klaus, who Elijah introduces as the Lord Niklaus. And then Klaus kisses Catherine's hand and says, Niklaus is the name my father gave me. You can call me Klaus. It's like, okay, but I have a longer name. I'm not really sure the point of that. Well, here's one thing I want to bring up to you. This episode sets up maybe a little bit of tension between Klaus and his dad. Yeah. So then we go over to the Lockwood house where Elijah and Elena are arriving. They ring the doorbell and Carol answers like ready to head out the door. And she's like, hey, what happened? Why's your suit all torn up, Elijah? And Elijah says, I had an incident. Um, I need your help and it won't take a minute of your time. And she doesn't really want to help, but he does compel her when she hesitates. So she lets him in and offers a suit of her husband's to give to Elijah. And she goes upstairs to go get the suit. And Elena says, hey, how did you know she wasn't on Vervain? And Elijah says, oh, because I'm the one who got her off it right before you and your friends killed me twice. She said, "Okay, well, living in the past isn't healthy. She's like, first of all, if you hadn't come back to life, we would have only killed you once. So then he goes to change into his new suit and we go back over to the Salvatore house where Stefan gets a call from Jenna and she's like, hey, where are Elena and Jeremy? They're not answering their phones, but Elena left a bunch of weird messages about staying away from Rick, which I get why Elena did this. But Jenna was already staying on campus and staying away from Rick. So why call her? And especially to leave a bunch like I feel like she could call her and be like, hey, how are you doing on campus? Like, you know, this is so complicated. And I really think it's a good idea for you to stay away from Rick right now. Cause like, it's just overwhelming. Like, I would love to talk to you about something before you talk to him about anything like that kind of thing. But I think this implies that she's given a bunch of messages that makes it seem like, okay, why is that happening? She kind of, I feel like should have maybe sussed it out first. And then like, Hey, how's campus? Like, do you think you're going to come back to town? Have you been talking yeah. to Rick? Like trying to suss out how likely this is actually going to be a problem, knowing that perhaps Rick Klaus will reach out to Jenna. Well, and especially knowing that they know that he's in a low body. So it's like he won't be doing that for that much longer now that they know it, you know? Yeah. So I think it's kind of like, OK, well, he might not be around very often. He might reach out to Jenna, but I should just check like, if Alaric were to reach out to Jenna, would she be receptive to that? Like, she might not pick up a phone call, you know? Yeah. So Stefan says, you know, it's hard to explain on the phone, but Elena was kind of hoping you'd stay on campus a little bit longer. And Jenna says, yeah, that's kind of hard to do from my kitchen. And he's like, what? <laughs> he says, you're home. And Jenna says, where is Elena? Because I'm going to meet Rick at the grill for lunch to talk. And Stefan says, OK, Jenna, whatever you do, do not meet Alaric at the grill. I'll come over and I'll explain everything. He's being like very dramatic, which I think is the right call because it's the only way to get her not to go to the grill. But it ends up being useless anyway. It worries me because she seems like she was planning to go. And then it seems like she was like, oh, no, I'm not going to go. Like texted him that. And then he was like, OK, fine. Then I'll fucking come over. Whereas I think Stefan should have been like, hey, don't go. Like, don't bother telling Alaric that. Like, I'll be over really quick and I'll, I'll let you know what's happening. Yeah. I mean, I think 
if she hadn't shown up to the grill, he would have been like, okay, well, I'll go to the house then yeah. anyway, but it would have maybe at least bought some time. I agree. Or he should have just told Jenna to come over. To the safe house they built so carefully. So Stefan hangs up the phone and gets ready to go meet Jenna. And Damon says, you know, I would help, but you don't want me to do anything stupid. And then Stefan says, are you seriously going to be like this? <laughs> Which is a good question. He's being a little bit of a baby, to be honest. He's clearly pissy about a number of things. I think because he really was like, I fucking saved Bonnie's life. Is anyone going to thank me for that? And they're not. And they're not because they're mad that he didn't tell them. And yeah, it was useful to not tell them. But of course, they're pissed at him. Damon's just throwing a little bit of a tantrum, which I don't really understand what he thinks he's going to get from throwing his little tantrum. Well, he's throwing this tantrum. And I think he's also like pissy that like people are seeing through his relationship with Andy, which it's like very easy to see through. So I don't really know what he expected. But he seems mad that everyone's like, can you shut up with your little fake girlfriend? He's like, don't say that about her. And they're like, okay. But he like doesn't care. I think he's just like pissy about a number of things. And he's like not feeling like he has any control over what's happening. So he's just like, well, time to be rude then. Yeah. (laughs) He said, I think I will cause problems on purpose. And so Damon says, hey, you and your girlfriend are calling the shots. I'm going to back off. And Stefan does not even dignify that with a response. He just scoffs and leaves. He's like, okay, well, I'm going to go then. Uh, You keep drinking your bourbon here and being mad. And then Andy comes in and Damon says, all right, let's go. And Andy says, where are we going to go? And he says, we're going to split from the team. and We're going to go rogue. And she's like, cool. I have no opinion. She's like, sounds fun to me, I guess. I'm full being compelled. I'll keep getting compelled, I guess. And then we go over to the Lockwood house where Elijah has made the correct assumption that the Merton witches are no longer with us. Yeah, he's like, I mean, if I'm dead, couldn't have gone well for them. And Elena says, yeah, sorry about that one. And he's like, eh. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, I don't really care about him. And Elijah also says, and Catherine was probably released from my compulsion when I died. And Elena says, yeah, Klaus took her and we think she might be dead. And Elijah says, oh, I doubt that. That is really not Klaus's style. Death would be way too easy. Yeah, he's like, no, I'm pretty sure she's still alive. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure she's still with us. And Elena says like, okay, I don't really understand your little thinking here. You want Klaus dead, but you're still going to make Catherine pay for betraying him. And he says, I've got my own reasons for wanting Katarina to pay. You know, there was a time I would have done anything for Klaus. And so, of course, we flash back to that time. And that would be 1492. And Klaus says, hey, Catherine, where are you from? Looking for that birthplace, baby. It's like when people ask for questions like that to use like security questions to break into your accounts. Like that's the vibe it's giving, even though it's a normal question. Or it's like when a girl wants to read someone's chart and she's like, what time were you born and what place? Oh where, oh, oh, where are you from? And you know, like what time were you born? You can text your mom if you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and Catherine just says she's new to town because she doesn't want to talk about, you know, her strange family. And Elijah says, oh, she's from Bulgaria. And Klaus says, like, Zrave or something. It must be a Bulgarian hello. But Catherine is immediately charmed by a man knowing one word of a foreign language. And in that way, she has representation for women everywhere. Well, to be fair, it, it couldn't have been easy to learn foreign languages at the time. There wasn't Duolingo. I guess books. But yeah, there was nothing else to do but read books. That's true. That is true. She's easily charmed by it. And then Klaus decides he wants a moment alone with Catherine. And he says, do you mind, brother? And it's like, 
And then Elijah says, of course, happy birthday, brother. In case we missed the first brother. <laughs> and then in case we missed all of that, we flash back to present day. And Elijah says, yes, Klaus was my brother or is my brother. So this is confirmation of a theory you had that you found from a hashtag on Instagram, which I was upset when you saw that hashtag. I'm like, it's only a matter of time before she figures that out. <laughs> but it is confirmed that I actually did know Klaus's last name because at the time that was technically a guess. I yeah. was pretty sure it was his last name, but I didn't have any evidence. So unfortunately, this shock does not have the same effect on you that it might if you had no idea, as I did when I was watching it the first time. I was shook. I was shook by this revelation, <laughs> which is funny because now it's like, it's like, duh. But but this is interesting because you spend the whole time with him being like, I want to kill him. He needs to die. He's a foot soldier. Yeah. Elena is like, oh, my God, I'm processing that. You can tell this is a big reveal, even if you already kind of saw it coming, because Elijah gives a very like 2011 line that's post big reveal. Elijah says, you know, I'm a little behind on the times, but I believe the word you're searching for is OMG. Where she had said, like, you know, I know I'm behind on the times. The word you're looking for is jinkies. (laughs) (laughs) I know I'm behind on the times, but the word you're looking for is nifty. Oh, brother, this guy stinks. (laughs) She's like, no, you're definitely still behind on the time. She's like, no, it's OMG. This is funny because I want to know first how Elijah learned the term OMG and second, where he learned the term OMG. I'll tell you exactly where he learned it. Klaus texted it to him. Do you think they're texting? I think Klaus is texting Elijah. I do not think Elijah is texting Klaus. (laughs) What does Klaus have to say to him? He said, OMG, you're being such... You being such a buzzkill. OMG, where is the doppelganger? I don't think Klaus knows OMG. I think Klaus knows OMG. I think Elijah's a modern man. I think Klaus knows it. I don't think he'd say it. Because this was early enough. Well, maybe. You know, there was a period where OMG was like embarrassing to say as a man. Well, but that's the thing. This was the period. Elijah's a modern man. He's heard OMG. It's on billboards everywhere, I'm sure, at this time. That's true. It's like OMG deals at Old Navy. <laughs> and he saw it first time he was like, bombed? He's like, what's that mean? And then he goes into an old Navy and he says, oh, I heard you have deals on an OMG. And they're like, what? Yeah, he went to old Navy. He was like, I I read a decree about deals on OMG. And they're like, what? And he said, yeah. And they said, that's his OMG. And he says, yes. What's the deal? They're like, oh, it's on jeans. And he's like, no, but then what does OMG mean? That means, oh my God, it's just like a saying. And he's like, enthralling. And then he leaves and like, do you not want any jeans? And he said, fuck no. Do I look like I would shop here? <laughs> like, you don't. <laughs> like, you super don't. That's why it was weird you came in here. Like, I thought you were going to rob me for a second. <laughs> so then we go back over to Alaric's apartment. Catherine's a little bored. She has a little sip of bourbon. She's dancing a little bit. But then she overhears Andy and Damon heading up the stairs. Andy's worried that it's a bad idea to come to Alaric's apartment, but Damon says they're investigative journalists. We're investigating whatever. Andy knocks on the door and calls out for Alaric. Catherine goes to the door and tries to reach for the doorknob, but she cannot even reach it. So whether she's trying to open the door or lock the door, hard to say, but she can't do either. It seems like she's trying to open it because it's helpful if someone knows where she is and that she's alive. Not that she's thinking Damon's going to move heaven and earth to get her out of there, but But he might. It can't hurt her to start like entertaining the prospect of new alliances. Yeah, she's like, okay, I lost on the Isabel one. I get that. Time to reevaluate here. She's got to start her apology to her. Yeah. Damon picks the lock and they open the door. 
they see Catherine and Andy says, oh, my God, she does look like Elena. And Catherine's like, who the fuck are you? And Catherine's like, first of all, Elena looks like me. Yeah. And second of all, who's this bitch? (laughs) Damon says, you know, we kind of thought you might be dead. And Catherine says, well, unfortunately not. (laughs) So then we go over to the Gilbert house. Stefan is arriving. He's like a little flustered, but he says, oh, my God. Thank you so much, Jenna, for not going to the grill. I can explain everything. But Jenna makes a face and she's like, ah, Stefan. And she turns around and there is Rick Klaus. And he says, hey, Stefan, how's it going? And Stefan's like, "Okay." Stefan says right now, pretty bad, pretty bad. He's like, I was really hoping you wouldn't be here. I'm going to be honest with you. Then we go back over to the Lockwood house. And Elena says, so there's a whole family of originals. And Elijah says his father was a wealthy landowner in a village in Eastern Europe, and his mother had seven children. Do you think all of those seven children are originals to this day? I think they all were, at least at some point. We may have lost one or two along the way. But how if they can't die? They can die. The only way they can die is with that dagger, and that's not permanent death. It's just the one dagger. Well, we don't know if there's other daggers, but either way, it's not a permanent debt. I guess they can always go get them. I mean, if they got two brothers and the parents somehow, I mean, I think they're all originals. Yeah, I will say at one point, I think I guessed nine to 11 originals. So so I was close. Oh, so you think the original family includes the seven children and the two parents? I think at least the children may be the parents. Okay, interesting. So I think seven to nine is where it sits. And even if it's seven, nine is pretty freaking close. Sure. It's the same vibe number. <laughs> same number okay. vibe. Fine. <laughs> say what you got to say. Sure. <laughs> and Elijah confirms that his whole family was human and that their origin as vampires is a very long story, but just know we're the oldest vampires in the world and from us, all vampires were created. Do you think that very long story is what the spinoff The Originals is about? I mean, it must be, but I also know... That in the spinoff, it's not like all way back whenever they started. There's like some present day stuff. So there must be some other situation. This is also interesting because we still don't know like how they became vampires. Mm -hmm. Like how that logistically happened. Do you have any theories on it? From the way he talks about it, it sounds like it was like a choice they made. But my only theory that I think makes any sense, and again, I'm going the science route, which isn't really informative here, but just like a genetic mutation of some sort. I mean, we know somehow werewolves came to be, and we know that's genetic or it's hereditary at least. So it's not crazy to think there's some genetic basis, but I would think that there's not a genetic basis because of the way that we've seen it go on. Yeah, I'll tell you why it is crazy to assume there's a genetic basis. This is a supernatural TV show. This is not a science show. I know, but I'm just supposed to know how it came to be. I'm just going back to what I understand. Okay. Yeah. And also, if it's a mutation, then I could just become a vampire one day. It's it's within my reach. Sure. If no one comes out of the woodwork to make me a vampire, which I'm still hoping on. But, you know, I would like a second option as well. We'll see. (laughs) We'll see if that is an option for you. It, it seems like they chose to be vampires somehow, though. Like, it doesn't seem like it's genetic because the way he talks about it, it seems like it was a choice. I don't have a guess other than the genetic guess. And I'm thinking that's not what happened because of how he speaks about it. 
you think they just manifested it? They're like, I really want to be a vampire. And then they went to sleep and then they woke up and they're like, hmm, blood sounds good. I don't think that. I think they maybe befriended a witch. It's all just witches at the end of the day. I don't know where they came up with the idea for a vampire. But again, we know werewolves were there already. I don't know why they'd come up with a supernatural creature that is vulnerable to the one other supernatural creature they know about. Well, because werewolves, notably, not immortal. We'll see. We'll see. We'll get answers on that eventually. I don't feel particularly confident about any of that. But hey, got to say it. But Elena doesn't even latch on to any of that, like higher stuff, because she's like, I'm still hung up on the fact that Klaus is your brother and you want him dead. That I don't understand. And he's like, have you seen the two brothers you hang out with, girl? Yeah, (laughs) they wanted to kill each other not six weeks ago. And Elijah says, you know, I need some air. I still feel a little dead. And so he goes outside and Elena follows. And we go back over to Alaric's apartment. And Catherine asks why Damon and Andy are here. And Andy says, oh, we're here to rescue you. And Damon says, "Mm, no, that's not why we're here. (laughs) He said, we are here to see if you deserve to be rescued. And then Andy starts looking around the apartment. I don't think she's looking for anything. I think she's just snooping. I mean, what else does she have to do here? She's kind of, her role was opening the door, it seems. She's off work for the day. And so Damon says, you know, I figured you might still be kicking because Alaric Klaus was blending in too easy and must have had coaching. Just got to say, Damon, Rick Klaus rolls off the tongue a lot better. Damon shows Catherine that he brought her some vervain. And though she's kind of happy to see it, she's like, well, that's not really going to undo any compulsion. And Damon says, yeah, but there's a loophole. Did he say that you have to stay in this apartment until he says it's okay for you to leave? And she can't answer that because she can't say that's part of the compulsion, whatever. Damon clocks that. And Damon says, did he tell you to do absolutely everything he says until the end of time? And she says, no. And he's like, that's a loophole. And at the very least, it will prevent any further compulsion. So so at least if he wants to make her stab herself repeatedly while he's gone, she doesn't have to stab herself repeatedly. Yeah, it's a step. Catherine reaches to take for it. But Damon, before he gives it to her, says, first, I want you to answer a question. Why did you double cross us with Isabel? Now, I don't know why he's asking this question, because the answer is clear as day. It's very obvious. Yeah. She's like, that seemed like a better move at the time. She says, I didn't think you stood a chance against Klaus. I was looking out for myself. And Damon says, well, where did that get you? And she says, I'm well aware it didn't work out. She's like, I understand it didn't work, but it seemed like a good idea at the time. You asked why I did it. You didn't ask me if I was successful. You know that answer. No one knows more than me how bad a decision that was. Okay, look at me. Yeah, she was like, I'm fucking trapped in this apartment. I get it. So he gives her the vervain and tells her to be careful. She drinks some of it. And Damon says, just so you know, like you do owe me now and I will come to collect. And she says, okay. (laughs) And Damon and Andy leave. Yeah, she's like, okay, sounds good. She said, thanks for the vervain. She's like, well, what else am I going to do? Sure, come here and collect whenever you want. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going anywhere, apparently. So then we go over to the Gilbert house. Stefan and Jenna and Rick Klaus are hanging out and Rick Klaus is chopping some vegetables and he says, I love to chop. I love the feel of a knife in my hand. And and Stefan's just like glaring at him like, dude, do we have to do this? And Jenna's like, that doesn't really seem like something Alaric would say. This is kind of weird. Like she was like, what is up with the tension here? I thought you two were kind of friends. Yeah. So Jenna says, hey, I'm still waiting to be told what's going on. And Rick Klaus says, 
Stefan, do you want to tell her or should I? And Stefan doesn't say shit because he's not really sure what Rick Klaus is going to say. Yeah, he's like, I don't really know what you expect me to tell her. Like, there's a lot to go through. I don't really know where to start. So I guess you can go. I mean, you've thought about this more than me. (laughs) And Rick Klaus says, do you believe in vampires? Well, who does? But they do have a place in our history. And Jenna's like, what? And he's like, and as a history teacher, I am fascinated by them. And Jenna's like, why are we talking about this? Because class is like, you know, me being a history teacher, I know who I am at this moment. It's just like, this was not how I expected him to go about this. Yeah. I thought he was going to be like, yeah, Stefan's a vampire. But no, he decided to do, like, this doesn't even seem like he's telling her vampires exist. Like, he's just like telling a story. It's like a very weird approach. He's very much being goofy. He is in a silly, goofy mood. Rick Klaus says, you know, I'm telling you this because I've been keeping a lot of secrets from you. And here's one of my secrets. I'm obsessed with vampires. It's like, and he like chuckles. It's funny because like that is a secret about Alaric, to be fair. But like, that's not the secret that was the issue in the relationship. Yeah. Jenna's like, I'm sorry, what does this have to do with Isabel? Okay, why is your wife alive? Like, what is this conversation? Like, she does not know what to do with this. And she shouldn't. There's no reason for her to understand what this is. Yeah. So Jenna says, are you joking? (laughs) Because he is laughing as he says it. Yeah. He's like saying stuff and giggling. And she's like, I really don't understand the mood here. I'm very much confused about what I'm supposed to be reacting to in this situation. And she's like, and Stefan is just standing there stoic as fuck. I can't read what his reaction to this is. I'm a little confused here. Yeah, she's like, Stefan, care to comment? Yeah. Rick Klaus says, hey, Stefan, are you a fan of vampires? And Stefan says, in literature, Bram Stoker, dense, but I appreciate it. I wish he said, in literature, Stephanie Meyer. Yeah. And Jenna's kind of like, why are you saying that? Like, it's a burn somehow? She's like, I don't really understand what this is doing. She's like, you're taking this very seriously. I'm still not sure if it's a joke or not. I'm really not clear on like, if this is a bit you guys are doing. And like, I don't know why for a bit you would tell me to avoid Rick so aggressively. And Rick Klaus says, do you know vampires are the oldest creatures of the night? Except for werewolves, of course. And as soon as he throws out werewolves, Jenna's like, okay, now I know you're joking. Okay, so this is just a goof for some reason. And then Rick Klaus says, you know, I have read that there is an Aztec curse on both species. We know it. We love it. Werewolves slaves to the moon, vampires slaves to the sun, yada, yada, yada. And he says, hey, Stefan, have you heard of it? Do you know if that's right? Rick Klaus says, you know, I read that these creatures would do anything to break the curse. They wouldn't care who they had to kill. And he's looking at Jenna and Jenna's like, what does that have to do with me? Jenna's like, are you about to kill me? Like, she was like, like, I know I dumped you, but I don't want you to kill me. So then we get away from this conversation, which is going all kinds of wrong directions back into like the woods around the Lockwood house. And Elijah confirms for Elena, nothing can kill an original, not sun, not fire, not even a werewolf bite. Only the wood from one tree, the white oak, which the family burned that tree, hence the ash that they use today. Yeah, pretty smart of them to burn the tree. (laughs) Good idea. And Elijah explains the reasoning for this is that witches, as servants of nature, 
do not allow for true immortals. Every creature has to have a weakness in order to maintain nature's balance. And so that tree was meant to be the weakness of the originals, but then it got burned. So now the weakness is just the ash. Just get that weakness smaller and smaller is really the goal. Elena says, okay, but if the sun can't kill an original, why is Klaus so obsessed with breaking the curse? Which is an excellent question that we have been asking for episodes. Yeah, of like, what is the point of this? Yeah, it's like you want this awful bad for something that you seem to have found a workaround for. Exactly. So this finally answers that question. Elijah says, Haha, right. The curse of the sun and the moon. Sounds so biblical, don't you think? And he smiles and Elena's like, what's funny? It smiles in a way like, what a stupid fucking name. (laughs) And it is, but we believe it. And so we go back to a flashback where Elijah is showing Klaus a Roman parchment that Klaus himself etched while he was drunk. Vibes. And Klaus like, oh, I remember writing this. Really funny. And Elijah says, no, I think your best work was the Aztec drawings. And Klaus says, nah, my African carvings were fire, dude. And Elijah says, nah, it's the Aztecs. Who can resist a shaman? And they laugh and they have fun. In the present day, Elena says, okay, I'm confused. So Klaus drew the sketches about the curse. And Elijah says, sketches, carvings, parchments. We planted everything on multiple continents so people would find it. And she's like, huh? And he says, because the easiest way to find a doppelganger or a moonstone is to have every member of two warring species looking for it and elena says so it's not aztec almost their queen <laughs> yeah it's like no it's not <laughs> and elijah says it's fake it doesn't exist we made it up and elena literally says what this is so funny that they were just like writing shit just putting rumors out there dropping scrolls off You have to admit, and we learn more about the curse in this later part of the episode. You have to admit, it is smart for Klaus to make everyone think this curse was about them so they would help him find the stuff he needed to find. This is mogul mindset behavior. Yeah, he could have gone to all these continents looking for a doppelganger. No, he said, I'll go to all the continents, say hi, drop some stuff. You guys can bring it to me. It is very smart. Yeah, got to give it to Klaus on that one. I mean, it's just funny. That, you know, we've been talking about this curse. I was taking the curse so seriously. And he just fucking like just completely made it up. Many werewolves died for a fake Aztec drawing. And I know they're stupid. So they would have probably died regardless. But it's just so funny. Can you imagine you're in the afterlife watching this and you're are you fucking kidding? Like, you must be fucking joking. I died for that. (laughs) Yeah, Mason is like in heaven. Like, what? Mason is like, now that's just mean. (laughs) so that's the best part is like if the werewolves had broken it they would still have to turn on the full moon they would have been like hell yeah got out and partied on a full moon and then immediately all turned and be like wait what why did we kill all those people (laughs) which would have been kind of funny to see in its way yeah so then we go back over to the gilbert house where our little trio's sitting down and rick klaus continues to double down he says yep it's true Vampires are real. Anyway, you want any more wine? Jenna says, get out. If I was Jenna, I'd be like, yeah, I really do. And Jenna says, look, I'm not sure what you're trying to do here or what you're trying to make me think. I don't care. I want you out of the house. And Stefan says, you heard her. And Rick Klaus says, I do not want to leave, though, is the thing. (laughs) And she's like, 
I thought it wasn't really up to you. Unfortunately, it is. <laughs> yeah. So Jenna goes, okay, then I'll leave. And Rick Klaus picks up a knife and says, nope, you're not going anywhere. And she's like, I'm sorry, what the fuck? And she's like, um, wait a second. Is this because I didn't believe in vampires? <laughs> she was like, look, talking about the knife was weird. Felt like we were going to go here. It's weird that you're here. Like, what is this for? And so now that he's holding the knife up to threaten Jenna, the jig is up enough that Stefan's like, okay, I have to make a decision here. So he does his fast little run to get Rick Klaus against the wall. And he says, Jenna, you need to get out now. And she's shook because she just saw Stefan do a little fast run, which for her is brand new information. Yeah, brand new information. And he's like holding a look against the wall with a knife. And she's like, look, I don't want the knife pointed at me, but I don't really know why you're threatening him with a knife. You're my niece's 17 year old boyfriend i feel very weird about this holding his history teacher up against a wall with a knife like i don't feel like this is something that should be happening and rick klaus says you can't kill me and stefan says watch and holds the knife to his throat and draws a little bit of blood jenna continues to be shook and rick klaus says you know i might not have a witch protecting me today but if you kill this body i could easily take jenna's and jenna is like i'm sorry what the fuck does that mean jenna's like whoa 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 what what would i be used for here like, I'm sorry, what are we talking about? And so Stefan says, Jenna, go. She has a lot of questions, obviously. So Stefan turns around and like shows his veins to be like, I'm scary, huh? And she does run. At that point, she takes the hint and goes. She's like, okay, you know what? I, I can get some questions answered later, I guess. <laughs> so she runs out of the house and Rick Klaus says, go ahead and kill me. Just remind Elena, it will be very easy for me to get my revenge if she tries to stop me from breaking this curse. So Stefan just like punches and kicks him and knocks him out because at the end of the day, he is in a human body and then he leaves. Yeah. And he's not trying to like kill a lyric, you know? So then we go back to the woods and Elijah confirms to Elena, like, yes, Klaus and I faked the sun and the moon curse, but there is a real curse. It's just a curse that's only placed on Klaus. And he's been trying to break it for like a thousand years. And Elena is his only hope. During this little speech, her phone keeps vibrating. Elijah's finally like, your phone literally will not stop going off. Can you just answer it? He's like, I hate these fucking things. Take it. Do whatever you need to do. And it's Stefan. And she picks it up and Stefan obviously says something about Jenna. So Elena says, okay, I'll be right there. She hangs up and she says to Elijah, I have to go. Klaus went after Jenna and I have to go be with her. And Elijah's like, mm, that's not like the arrangement we made today. He's like, I'm literally in the middle of the story. And she says, listen, I'll be back. You have my word, but I have to go. And he says, yeah, your word really means nothing until you live up to it. And she says, okay, well, I'll live up to it then. See you later. Yeah. And he watches her go and it stirs something in him to bring us back to another memory. And so we go back to the 1490s where Elijah is chasing Catherine through a garden, being very flirty. Taylor's oldest time with Catherine, making a boy chase her. Yeah, she knows what she's doing. It works every time. Oldest trick in the book. It's effective, it seems. <laughs> yeah. Catherine says, well, you know, thank you for entertaining me. And he says, well, you looked really lonely, so I took pity on you. And she says, yeah, Klaus said he wanted to spend the day with me, but he never came back last night. And Elijah's like, yeah, he kind of plays by his own rules or whatever. And Catherine says, you know, Klaus is really charming and he's hard to resist. Like, I can see why any woman would fall for him. And she obviously has like a butt. So Elijah is like, and yet, and she says, I don't really know why he's courting me. He doesn't seem to care about me at all. And girl, he doesn't. She's like, he doesn't really seem to like me that much. 
<laughs> like, I'm really not sure why we're courting. And this is a good instinct because he is courting you to kill you. Yeah, he just needs you around. Like, he doesn't like you. He's not interested in you. <laughs> yeah. Elijah's like, well, you know, unions, they're like that. <laughs> like, I don't know what to tell you. It's 1492. You don't have any rights. You don't have your own credit card. Yeah, he's like, we're not all really, like, getting together for love at this point. <laughs> and Catherine says, like, is it wrong to want more? And Elijah says, oh, well, did you have more with Treffer? And she says, well, Treffer obviously is into me. No, duh. Like a monkey could see that. But true love isn't real unless it's returned. Don't you agree with that? And Elijah says, I don't believe in love. Liar. And Catherine says, oh, that is too sad to accept. Life is too cruel and we can't live without love. This is interesting because this is pre-Catherine turning into a vampire. Waxing poetic about love. And then we're meant to believe she doesn't have any sort of love feelings still just something to think about that is an interesting point you have to think she's still somewhat looking for that so then klaus approaches just full covered in blood you are already so late i'm begging you to go change your shirt like like who cares he is being so goofy and i get it he's all powerful what's someone gonna say he'll kill them but it's funny because he comes and his shirt is covered in blood And it's, you know, not to get into the science side of it, but it's bright red blood, which would mean it was an arterial bleed. I'll tell you that. (laughs) Makes sense from Klaus. And Catherine's like, hey, what happened? And he's like, oh, I got in a bar fight. (laughs) What kind of bar fight? Why would you not say you were hunting? I guess because he's not wearing hunting clothes, but still. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that Catherine, you have to remember, has been disowned. And is like trying to just survive. Marrying a nobleman is a great life for her. She's not going to ask a ton of questions. That is very true. So Klaus takes Catherine and they go like out to hang out. And Elijah looks longingly. (laughs) Elijah walks away to the Charlie Brown music. Yeah. And then in the present day, we see Elijah like button his suit and kind of pull himself together. He's not sitting in his his emotions. And then he does walk away to the Charlie Brown music. (laughs) (laughs) so then we go over to the salvatore house where jenna is sitting on the couch simply crying and again i just want to bring up jenna a couple episodes ago you said you could handle anything this does not look like handling anything shining a little bit of light on my leg didn't tell you unfortunately it's seeming like it was a good choice by him yeah and elena comes up and she says Thank God you're okay. But Jenna is scared of Elena too. And Elena says, okay, first and foremost, I never meant for this to happen. And Jenna's like, good. (laughs) Thanks. And Jenna says, you know, your mom used to tell me bedtime stories, but I didn't think they were true. It does beg the question, if the parents had been alive, would they eventually have told Jenna? Because the dad was notably on the council. The mom might have been involved with the council. Do you think it ever would have come up to Jenna? I guess maybe when she's older, if she moves back to Mystic Falls. I don't know. Maybe if she had been in Mystic Falls, but I don't get the sense that they would have brought her into that necessarily, because I think I've talked about this before, that it seems that the Gilberts are very much, and this is from how John acts, that the Gilberts are very much about like, oh, we are family and we have this family loyalty to stop vampires. And like, I don't think they would have opened it up to family by marriage, except for like the wife who obviously has to she could find a fucking crossbow somewhere so you should probably tell her 
So Elena says, well, the stories are true. I wanted to keep you out of it because I wanted to keep you safe. But it's gotten way too out of control at this point. And then Jenna asks, who else knows? Uh Uh-oh. Unfortunately, the answer is everyone but you. Well, unfortunately, the answer is, from what Elena knows, the answer is everyone except Matt. But Matt even knows. (laughs) Even then, if I'm trying to be like, Matt is the, I'm on the same level as Matt. It's fucked up. (laughs) Yes. But instead, Jenna says, okay, um, does Jeremy know? And Elena says, yeah. But to be fair, he read my diary. (laughs) To be fair, I didn't tell him he found it out. So because yeah, he met another vampire. Yeah. Remember his girlfriend, Anna? She was a vampire. Yeah. And actually his other girlfriend, too. <laughs> yeah. And then Jenna says, does John know? And Elena's like, we were trying to protect you. And also, John's known for a long time. This predates her. She's like, oh, John knew before me, though. I didn't tell him. Elena says, look, we were trying to protect you, but I'm going to tell you everything. And Jenna says, you're not supposed to be the one who protects me. I'm supposed to be the one who protects you and Jeremy. And Elena's like, well, we're past that. <laughs> Yeah, well, Elena's like, there's nothing you could have done. There's a lot to this, which is true. It's not about, like, there's nothing Jenna really could have done because at the end of the day, Elena's the doppelganger. She would have been involved in this anyway. Yeah, Elena's the doppelganger and her mom is a vampire, was a vampire. (laughs) Rest in peace. Yeah, so she was going to get involved in this even if Stefan and David had never come to town, even if no one did anything. So there's really, like, nothing that could have stopped it that jenna could have done but that's hard to explain like off the top like no literally this was inevitable yeah jenna is really upset they didn't tell her but moreover she's very scared yeah and so elena hugs her and apologizes and while this happens we see stefan eavesdropping and he is definitely in his feels because he definitely feels like he's to blame for letting this get to jenna which he's not he did everything he could i mean the second klaus took Alaric's body it was pretty clear this was going to get to Jenna eventually. It was just too close to home. After a little bit of time explaining some stuff to Jenna, Elena and Stefan debrief. Elena says like, look, Jenna's in shock. I told her some stuff, but I barely scratched the surface. And Stefan apologizes, but Elena says, it's not your fault. It's mine. And the thing is, it's neither of their faults, but it is what it is. I mean, it was time for Jenna to know for a number of reasons. And hey, Let's all appreciate she took it a lot easier than Matt. Not that they know this about Matt, but gotta appreciate her for that. (laughs) And then Elena says, well, this has been fun, but I have to go back to Elijah because I promised him. And Stefan's like, um, what? (laughs) Stefan's like, no. And she's like, yes. (laughs) So he protests a little bit, but mostly he lets her. So she's about to head out, but then in comes Damon and he says, nope. And Andy and Stefan are both like, hey, Damon, like, be cool. Let her go. Yeah. And he fights back, basically threatens Stefan for standing in his way. And we don't really see the aftermath of it, but Elena gets out. So yeah, Elena's like, okay, get over it. I'm going to go. She's like, look, I already went for half the day and I'm fine. And I got some interesting information and I would like the rest of it. So she's like, I'm about to get probably the most important piece of information. She's like, also like, he's alive. He's out. I did that. I talked to him. We can't unring any of those bells. Yeah. So me stopping now just makes him hate me again and makes me not trustworthy. Exactly. It's kind of moot. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty clear like point of how she could have talked her way out of this one. Yeah. 
So then we go back over to Alaric's apartment. Catherine is drinking more bourbon and dancing, but she's really getting into it this time. She's in a better mood because she has some vervain in her system now. So she's feeling pretty good. Things are looking up. She has at least a, a little bit of a path out. She doesn't know exactly what that looks like yet, but it's not impossible anymore. So then she hears keys jingling in the door and she sits on the couch and puts the bourbon in front of her. And Rick Klaus says, hey, can you turn the music down? And she does. She says, hey, why are you so grumpy? And he says that this body has outlasted its usefulness, which it has. He just got his ass beat by Stefan. Yeah. He's like, I'm done with this. (laughs) And so Catherine offers him a drink to loosen him up. And he responds by throwing the bottle against the wall and compelling her to sit down and shut up. The drink probably would have been helpful. Yeah. She's like, well, I still wanted a drink. Damn. (laughs) She's like, damn, I I can't go out and get more alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. So Catherine does sit down and shut up because she knows how to take direction. And Maddox returns with a bunch of henchmen and luggage and a new character. Her name is Greta. We know from past episodes that this is Luca's sister, Dr. Merton's daughter, the one, the only Greta Merton. Has anyone told her her family is dead? Yeah. Newly orphaned Greta Merton. (laughs) She does not seem to know about this. Yeah, she seems in pretty high spirits. She's like, I'm feeling great. Any day now, my dad's going to come save me. She's like, now I'm in town with all these other vampires. My dad's going to have to come soon. She's like, you know what? Maybe tomorrow when Klaus is busy, I'm going to go visit my dad and brother. Yeah. Just sneak away really quick. So easy. Just say hi. (laughs) Instead, she goes up to her Klaus and she says, hello, love. We don't know if that's a term of endearment. If there's something else going on there, we'll see. Yeah. She says, nice body, ready to get out of it. And he's like, yes, I hate it a lot. He says, I hate this guy. His livers are failing. <laughs> Both of his livers. <laughs> you only want to. <laughs> he's like, I can feel his liver shrinking like a balloon. I need to get out of here. <laughs> and then they roll in a big box, which we have to assume is where Klaus's real body is. Because Catherine looks shook. Yeah, she's like, oh, here we go. So then we go over to what I assume is the Lockwood house where Elijah and Elena are, which gotta love them taking over the Lockwood house. It's an easy place. And Elijah doesn't seem like the type who would be slumming it at just any old house. He's like, I'm not staying at the Gilbert house. He's like, I will be living at the mayor's mansion if I must. (laughs) You can take that to the bank. Elena is like, well, as promised, I'm back. Tell me what Klaus's curse is. Like, okay, let's pick up where we left off, buddy. And she sits down. And Elijah says, our family was always close, but Klaus never got along with our dad. Later, we found out the reason was that Klaus was not his son. My mother had had an affair years before. It was her darkest shame. My father, in a fit of rage, sounds like Klaus. I know it's not Klaus who did this, but we can see where Klaus gets it. Yeah. His father, in a fit of rage, found his mother's lover and killed him and his entire family. Seems like an overreaction. Yeah, big overreaction. And it had many real world implications because come to find out that was a family of werewolves. This ended up igniting a rivalry that still wages to this day, Elijah tells us. And we know it because it's a rivalry of vampires and werewolves. And Elena is like doing the math. The gears are turning, but she can't get there very quick. She says, wait, what? And Elijah says, what? Yeah, Klaus's (laughs) real father was from a werewolf bloodline. And Elena says, I'm sorry. So is Klaus a werewolf or a vampire? 
And Elijah says both. That can't be fun. Or maybe it is. I don't know. Why can't it be fun? Just feels like a lot of turmoil. I just think it's not fun to be a werewolf, it seems. Whereas being a vampire is pretty fun. Well, the good thing is Klaus isn't really a werewolf right now. So we dig into this. Elijah says that basically a hybrid, which is a mix of a vampire and a werewolf, would be deadlier than any werewolf or vampire, and nature wouldn't allow that imbalance of power. So the witches made Klaus's werewolf side dormant. So he has the werewolf gene, but he is not at this time a werewolf, even though he has killed people. So that's, I guess that's nice. Yeah, so he doesn't have to deal with the werewolf stuff. But Klaus actually wants to be a werewolf. Weird. Because <laughs> he wants to be a hybrid to be super, super powerful. So he wants to break the curse in order to get more power. And long-term, sire his own bloodline, create a new race, and become a powerful threat to vampires, werewolves, and the world at large. So if the werewolf perk comes out, does that make him human enough to have babies? Because how is he siring a bloodline? Well, if he would turn someone with his blood, would they then be a hybrid too? They will answer this, but it depends who he turns. Could he turn a standard vampire into a hybrid or a standard werewolf into a hybrid? One of those is true. Werewolf, probably. Yeah. hey <laughs> That's the plan, basically. I mean, if you think about the way transitions work, and they talk about this, that's something we're going to deal with eventually, of course, if Breaking the Curse is successful. We'll see. Here's my thing. He wants to be more powerful. You already can't be killed. Like, what? how much more power is this really? I guess he just wants a, a more powerful team, maybe. It just seems like it's more power than he needs, which I guess the whole thing is he's like, he wants a shit ton of power, but it just seems like a lot of work for like, not that much more functionally than what he currently has. Yes, I do think it is very emotionally motivated to say like, fuck you, dad, you know? Yeah, I think that's mostly what it is. Which I think makes him trying to break the curse less scary yeah. because honestly if he doesn't break the curse like who fucking cares like it made sense at some point if it was like well i can't let the werewolves break the curse the werewolves can't really do fucking anything <laughs> like yeah. they could break the curse but what's that really doing for them i guess if they found out they could be turned into this master race maybe when we first learned about the sun and moon curse it really seemed like that curse had to be broken in the course of this time they had to find a way to break it Now that doesn't seem like it needs to happen. Obviously, Klaus wants that to happen. And if they find a way to do that without killing the doppelganger, great. But it also could be possible at this point that they don't break this curse. Like, it kind of doesn't matter as much. Like, Klaus could get over that, in theory, if, say, he falls in love. You think he's going to fall in love? Yes. Who do you think he's going to fall in love with? With Caroline. I have reasons for this guess. What are your reasons? I would love for you to lay them out. I've seen a couple edits. And because I've built him up and I love Caroline, I'm leaning into that. I do want you to remember the word edits means that it's photoshopped. I know it's photoshopped, but I feel pretty confident. And if anyone can be lovable enough to make someone give up breaking a curse they've wanted to break for a thousand years, I think it's Miss Caroline Forbes. So you think he's going to meet Caroline and be like, you know what? Actually, never mind. I don't think it's going to be that fast. Okay. And again, This could all be moot if they find out how to break the curse without killing Elena. Like, I think that could still be a path, but I think there is a world in which the curse isn't broken and 
Klaus becomes okay with that somehow. Like that isn't impossible. I have two questions. Number one, do you think given this information, if we see the curse broken, it will be in season two? I think potentially end of season two. And I do think if I had to pick whether or not the curse is going to be broken, I think it will probably be broken. Here's my other question. Can you think of any way, like you're in this situation, you're on the team. These are your allies. Can you think of a way to make sure Elena survives this ritual? If Elijah says he has a way, might as well try. But also, again, if I have this information, I'm on this team, like we'll go that path. We'll see what we can do. We'll like try to find a way to keep this out of it. But there's another path in which you try to say like, okay, how do we make it so that breaking this curse becomes less of a a draw? Because it's not this life and death thing, really. Again, this does also hinge on Elijah because Elijah knows his brother. Like either way, it is useful to have Elijah in the mix here. So Elijah says originally he wanted to help Klaus break this curse, become a hybrid, sire his own bloodline because he loved him. But that's changed. And now he must die. Now, Elijah, that's pretty vague. I'm going to need some more details about what changed. Yeah, why you suddenly hate him so much that you want him dead. Exactly, because I'm putting all my trust in you, buddy. What exactly did he do to you? And Elena says, well, I have great news for you. We have the dagger. We can kill him. And Elijah's like, oh, no. (laughs) Elijah says, oh, you sweet, poor, dumb creature. He says, here's the thing. When a werewolf is wounded by silver, it heals. And an original can only be killed with white oak ash on a silver dagger. So the dagger won't work on Klaus because even though his werewolf side is dormant, he still has that gene. So Elena says, oh, so Klaus cannot be killed. She's like, that's not great. (laughs) Yeah. And Elijah says, well, any supernatural creature can be killed by the servants of nature themselves, which is if they can channel enough power without dying. And Elijah says that since the curse has to be broken on the full moon, when Klaus is in transition, he will be the most vulnerable and therefore easier to kill. So the assumption is that a witch who can channel enough power will not have to die using that power at that specific moment because Klaus will be weaker. Yeah, if he's transitioning to a werewolf, then it's less power to kill him. Which again, post-sacrifice would be when this would work. And Elena would potentially already be dead. But again, Elena doesn't really care about dying. Yeah, she's good with that. That's fine with her if Bonnie doesn't have to die. Elena says, well, what if I told you I know a witch who can channel that much power? And he says, well, then I should tell you there's one more thing you should know. So then we go back to the 1490s. And Elijah says, tomorrow's the full moon. Klaus, are you excited? And Klaus says, finally, I am so excited. And Elijah says, hey, unrelated. Yeah, random thing. Just something I'm thinking about, like totally weird, just popped into my mind. Um, So I went to see the witches and they think they can spare the doppelganger. And Klaus is like, why would I give a fuck about that? <laughs> yeah, Klaus says, I really don't give a fuck. Klaus is like, why would we do that? Like, we can just kill her. <laughs> like, that seems easier to me. Elijah's like, I mean, isn't it kind of weird? Like, you're like making her die for your gain if she doesn't have to. And Klaus is like, "Uh, she's human. Her life means nothing. Yeah, he's like, that's not weird to me. That That sounds like the plan. Sounds like what I'm going to do. He's like, why would I add another wrinkle to this? What's the matter with her dying? Yeah, he's like, (laughs) I really could give a shit. And Elijah says, you know, I just think it's something you should consider. And Klaus says, okay, so 
you obviously like care about her yeah yeah Klaus is like well obviously you're asking me this because you don't want her to die which is weird because why would you not want her to die and Elijah classically denies this and Klaus says hey I just want to remind you that like love is a vampire's greatest weakness and we we're not weak we don't feel and we don't care and then Elijah says um but we did once and Klaus says not anymore shut up we're doing the sacrifices plan so there's some history there yeah, I'm guessing the original Petrova. Oh, interesting. That's my guess. Because they both cared. And now suddenly one wants to kill someone who uh, is very happy to kill a doppelganger. Interesting. Do you think if Klaus and Elijah were in a love triangle pre-Catherine times and the doppelganger or whatever, the original Petrova picked one of them, who do you think she picked? I'm going to guess not Klaus. He's pretty pissed. (laughs) Just curious. I also think this is interesting. It's giving some color to Elijah. And we know Elijah was mad at Trevor because he let Catherine get away. Trevor was also, as Trevor, notably in love with Catherine. So seemed like an awful violent death. Maybe connected. Slap that little head right off. And then we go back to present day. And Elijah confirms to Elena that he found a way to save the doppelganger's life. But Catherine took matters into her own hands first. And and we all know how that went. Yeah, Elijah's like, I actually had figured this out. Uh, She just left too fast, which it's rare that one of Catherine's schemes, like, I mean, it worked still, but it ended up being a lot more fraught than it needed to be. (laughs) Yeah, I think it was. I mean, obviously, it's better to get there early than get there late. Yeah. Yeah. But it is funny that she might have been okay. Yeah, she like might have been out of it anyway. But hey, she had to figure it out. Elena asks if Elijah cared for Catherine. And he says, yeah, it's a common mistake I've been told. And I'm not going to make it again. Yeah, he's, he's like, and just so we're clear, not interested in you. <laughs> yeah, just so we're clear, this isn't going to happen, honey. Don't fall in love with me. Don't think about using your feminine wiles on me, okay? Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice. It is goofy, goofy. The way everyone falls in love with Catherine. Her power. So then we go over to the Salvatore house and Andy brings Damon a drink and she's like, hey, don't be mad at your brother. He's just trying to protect Elena. And I know you want to protect Elena too. And Damon's like, can you please leave? (laughs) I'm really not interested in talking to you. We're kind of done with this. And she says, oh, I just want to like sit here and like comfort you. And he says, please leave. And then she does. And in comes Stefan. And Stefan's like, oh, you're already tired of your little plaything, huh? And Damon's like, whatever. She's my distraction. And Stefan says, hey, not to sound like a broken record, but I just want to remind you, she is a person and you are victimizing her. And Damon says, you know, you should be thankful Andy is here. She keeps me from going for what I really want. And Stefan turns around and you can see in his eyes, he's about to fuck Damon's life up. He's about to murder him. Yeah, he's like, okay, here we are then. And Stefan says, you know what? You're right. Thank you for being in love with my girlfriend. And it's like, okay, at least put it out there. Like, we all know you guys know this about each other. Like, let's just have a discussion. Yeah. And Damon says, there it is. And Stefan says, there it is. Because here's the thing. I mean, I get what Damon's doing. He's playing for power here. But Stefan has the upper hand here and Stefan knows it. Because he's actually dating her. Well, it's that. And also, like, 
like Damon doesn't like the fact that he's in love with her. It makes him very insecure that he's in this situation that he can't get out of. So it's really Damon like offering up a major weakness for him. And that's just because he's pissy. He's had a long day, whatever. But it's like not a smart move by him. He's he's going to lose this interaction. Yeah. Like he's set up to fail. And Stefan says, you know what, Damon? You can be in love with her all you want if it means you're going to protect her. But I have one thing you never will. And this is where Damon makes a tragic mistake, because what he should have done is give a fun little quip. But what he does instead is he says, what? Yeah. Don't Don't ask. Don't offer it up. He's about to murder you. I think he assumed Stefan had nothing to say. But instead, Stefan says the thing that he has that Damon will never have is her respect. Ouchie. Ouchie. But I don't really think that's true. I don't think it is either, but it doesn't matter. And I honestly don't even think Stefan thinks it's true because he knows that Elena cares about Damon and probably respects him. But Stefan really wants to hurt Damon's feelings here. And Damon is volatile enough that he can't see that as a ploy to hurt his feelings. And so Stefan knocks him out, bitch. Yeah. I think he was thinking that Stefan would say like, oh, her love, whatever the fuck, like all this stuff. And those are all things Damon is like, okay, whatever, who cares? Like, I know that. This made it so like, it actually wouldn't matter if I wasn't here. She doesn't like you. Because even though this isn't the case, Damon could be like, what the fuck did she say about me? Because he is insecure deep down. Yeah, Damon is most insecure that Elena does not think he's a good person. Yeah, because he's spent all this time growing and changing in response to Elena. And to think that after all he's done and all he's gotten past, that she would still be like, oh, Damon sucks, like behind his back. Like that's enough to really like shut him down. Because again, insecurity. Yeah, Stefan really gets Damon here. And Damon realizes there's no word he can say that will hurt Stefan the way he was just hurt. So he punches Stefan in the face. (laughs) Yeah, which, you know, I think Stefan knew was going to happen. Stefan said, all right, all right, fair enough, fair enough. Stefan's like, I think that just proves I won because you couldn't say anything. Yeah, Stefan's got the last word. So they fight a little bit. And then Elena comes in with Elijah and she's like, stop. She's like, can you guys not? (laughs) And Elijah recognizes a fight between brothers and it inspires him to remember. And he goes back to the 1490s again. And Klaus says, hey, Elijah, what'd you do? And Elijah says, what? (laughs) Klaus says, Catherine left. She fled. And Elijah's like, what? He's like, I didn't tell her to do that. I was going to save her. And Klaus assumes, given the information he has, this is a fair assumption. He assumes that Elijah said something to her. And Elijah's like, I didn't. Klaus has so little interest in Catherine. He doesn't like accurately understand how easily people fall in love with her. He is so not interested in falling in love. Yeah, that he's like, why would anyone tell her anything? Like we were going to kill her. Like, we were all yeah. good with that. Like, she was on the chopping block. <laughs> he saw her as, like, a goat. He's yeah. like, that's a goat. Yeah. That's a chicken I have to slit the throat of. That person means nothing more to me than a pig in my barn. Yeah. He's like, I don't understand. That's just a goat. He's like, why would anyone let the goat go? It's a goat. Yeah. Exactly. It likes being in the pen. <laughs> the pen is where it's meant to be. Yeah. If anything, I'm making its life have meaning by killing it. Yeah. <laughs> so Elijah says, you know, you have my word, I'll find her. And Klaus says, yeah, you better find her. Or you have my word, I'll kill you. And Elijah's like, okay. <laughs> okay. Message received. Time to 
throw Trevor under the bus, buddy. <laughs> yeah. So then we go back to the present day and Damon is like, you invited him in <laughs> about Elijah, which is a fair question. And Elena says, yeah, me and Elijah renewed the terms of our deal. And Elijah says, hey, look, I agreed. No harm will come to the two of you at my hands. I just want one thing. And they say, what? And he says, an apology. And Damon's like, I just got fucking shit on. Um, I will not be vulnerable in any way. He was like, I would rather have killed myself in front of you than do this. This is a deeply funny thing to ask for because Elijah doesn't really care if they're sorry. Yeah. Because he knows that they kind of have to be on his team at this point. He wants to demoralize them a little bit. And I support him. He's like, I just want you guys to remember that I'm in charge here. Like, he doesn't care if they're sorry. Stories don't need to be sincere. He just wants to be like, you guys have to beg a little. He wants them to kiss the ring. Yeah. Damon, like, obviously is like, what? And Elena, like, looks at him like, just fucking do it, dude. She's like, just fucking say sorry. You don't have to mean it. And so Stefan, like, weighs his options pretty quick. And he walks over to Elijah and says, I am sorry for the part I played in your death. I was protecting Elena, which is something I'm always going to do. And Elijah says, I understand. And Damon says, well, I'm sorry that you feel that it was mean that I stabbed you. (laughs) Damon says, well, I'm sorry that I didn't kill you more permanently. (laughs) Damon, like, shakes his head. Like, he's like, I'm not going to do that. And Elena says, look, Damon, the sacrifice is going to happen. Bonnie's going to be able to kill Klaus without hurting herself. And Elijah knows how to save my life. I found another way, just like I said I was going to. Damon says, is this true? And Elijah says, yes. And Damon says, do you trust him? And Elena says, yes, I do. And then Damon says, you can all go to hell. And then he leaves. And it's like, okay, well, Stefan was probably like, that was kind of on me. Yeah. Stefan says, okay, so he's a little bit angry with me right now. So that is coloring his mood at the moment. uh, Because I did just flame him earlier. You guys missed it, but I really schooled him. I cut really, really deep, like no more than five minutes ago. So he's not doing good. (laughs) But he will come around. And Elijah says, perhaps. Elijah's like, I really don't give a fuck. Yeah. Elijah says, the apology was just kind of a funny little goof I was doing. He's like, I just thought it was funny to make you guys apologize to me. Yeah. And then we go up to Damon's room where he is pretty pissed off by the events of this evening. And Andy's just standing around in like lingerie, which... I don't know if there's a reason for her to be in lingerie in this scene based on just generally what she's saying and the whole of the show. And it's a weird thing that doesn't often happen on this show that people are in lingerie for no reason. Yeah. So it's a very jarring moment. And Damon's like, I told you to leave. And she says, yeah, but you didn't compel me, mama. He's like, well, then I should have compelled you, I guess. Like, I don't like you. I don't know how much clearer I can be. I don't know where you got the idea that you're like my girlfriend because I like you. Andy says, well, I want to be here. And Damon says, well, I'm upset. And when I'm upset, I'm not like the best person to be around. So you have to leave. And she says, no, like you need to know that someone cares about you. And I care about you. So she's not obviously getting the hint. So he gives her a pretty obvious hint. He bites her quite violently. He does not kill her, but she does scream and cry. And then she falls to the floor in her lingerie. And then he compels her to leave before he kills her. Yeah, so not a great time. I mean, clearly he just got told that the one person he cares about doesn't even respect him. And so someone talking about caring about him, he's like, shut the fuck up, I can't hear this. 
Yeah, this is not the time. He's like, first of all, I don't respect you. I don't know why Andy was like, I'm going to do this. I get she's being compelled. Like, so she thinks this relationship is more serious. But still, this feels like. Yeah, I would have left ages ago. Yeah, I would have gone home. Be at home on the couch being like, my boyfriend's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I'd be out with my girlfriend's like, my boyfriend's so funny. Like, my boyfriend does the silliest things. Okay, so today, he asked if he could bite my shoulder. And I said, no, drink from a blood bag. My girlfriend's like, what's your boyfriend do? <laughs> <laughs> So she does grab her clothes and looks back before she leaves, but she does leave. Damon does seem a little remorseful of the way that all went down. I mean, he does seem to feel bad about it and not to be a Damon apologist, even though I am one, but he didn't kill her. There was a time when he would have killed someone in this same situation. It's growth. This time of TV, of teen drama specifically, the time of Damon Salvatore, the time of Chuck Bass, it is paying therapy bills for months. I mean, and I'm hyper aware of this because I'm currently watching Gossip Girl and I see Chuck do something. I'm even worse with Chuck Bass because I would argue Chuck Bass does worse things than Damon does. And the way I am blind to every single one. Damon literally tried to kill Elena's brother. Chuck sold Leia for a hotel. Yeah. <laughs> Jeremy didn't die. <laughs> Blair didn't die. I'm unwell. I know. And then I watched the Stelena scenes. I'm like, yawn. Oh my God. Can't wait for you two to break up. He is very nice to her. I'm like, this shit's boring. I'm like, this shit. <laughs> if someone does not love me enough to, you know, at least try to kill my sibling to make a point. I don't like that. <laughs> so then we go over to Alaric's apartment. Maddox and Greta are doing a spell. Catherine is watching. And then the candles flare up. Alaric gasps, and it's back to regular Alaric. We can tell because he looks at Catherine and says, Elena, and then faints. Good for him. I mean, he doesn't really need to be awake for this. And then Maddox opens the big box, and out comes Klaus, and he is dressed like a full Las Vegas magician. He's got the vest and a suit on. I love that he was like, keep me in this box, but put me in a suit, though. Yeah. He comes out of the box, and he says, who wants to pick a card? Just kidding. He doesn't say that. He says, now you see me. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, he says, no, that's more like it. And he smiles and he does have a British accent. That's something we confirmed over the course of this episode. Finally. So Klaus is here. He's in it. And he is looking very cute. I was really happy to see him without his wig. Wasn't loving the wig. That's where we end the episode. This episode went fast. It flew by. It ended and I was like, wait, it's only been like 20 minutes. No, it had been the whole time. But that is the end of this episode. You know, we're getting pretty close to the end of season two. Three episodes left. It's getting time. And finally, everyone's going to learn what Klaus looks like. Because again, they still don't know. He's going to come prison and going, oh my God, he's hot. And they're like, oh, who's that hot guy? There's a lot to do in these last three episodes. We'll see how it all plays out. But that's the end of this episode this week. As always, if you're enjoying The Vampire Diaries or Doppelgangers, you can tell your friends about it. And also, you can write a review and give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. And follow us on Instagram at Doppelgangers Podcast. That's it for this week. So we will see you guys next week. For now, goodbye, brother. Goodbye, brother.